You see here the nature of the love of Christ to go much farther than expected. Some of us wonder why God wasn't just satisfied with those who already loved him. All of the angel, all of the heavenly host were already worshiping. Why did he come down? Why did he put on flesh? John 1, 14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Why that radical a move? And not only that radical a move, but he didn't go to the religious people. He went to those deep in sin. He was accused of such. Remember how they said to him, you spend your time with sinners and gluttons. And he said, yeah. You know why? Because those who are well don't need a physician. Those who are sick, I came for those people. Jesus, in his going out, went to the farthest corners. Look at what it says, and seeing the multitudes. These are people he doesn't know. These are people who are not included. Seeing the multitudes, he felt compassion. Now this word compassion is in Greek, means this. It is, it, is the, it is the most intense word for compassion in all the language. It's only used of Jesus and how he feels. So intense is it that, it's, that its mood is passive. That is to say, Jesus had nothing to do with it. He was being drug around. It was, it was something, uh, some of your uh, Bible versions say, he was moved with compassion. That's the sense. He was moved. It was so strong in him. For these people who were so distant from him. Look at what it says. Because they were distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. They were without him. He was the shepherd. And in the Greek, again, these words here don't mean they were just discouraged or they were, they were just tired. It means the picture here, if you could do a visual of this verse is that they are sheep who are so lost and so scattered that they begin to wound themselves by wandering into thorny places. It, it literally means they were pierced with thorns. The visual is they are pierced with thorns. The next time you see a picture of Jesus being pierced with a crown of thorns, I want you to see what he is literally taking on his head. He is taking the lostness and the woundedness of those lost sheep on himself. They were pierced because of their lostness. And his heart went out to them. Now, let's take a look at what God wants for the church of the future. Because I, don't, I believe God wants a giant change in the church of the future. I believe God wants a giant change in our lives. You see, we've been working along one particular paradigm, as it were. Most of you know that word, by the way. Let me explain it uh, a little bit further. Probably the most influential book, secular book, in the 20th century has been Thomas Kuhn's The, the, uh, the uh, Structure of scientific revolutions. Many of you who are in science, many of you who are in business uh, have heard of this book. What this man who was working on a physics degree, theoretical physics at Harvard did, this was years ago, 
is he kept running in. He, he was a little bit of a historian and could see uh, the, the development of science. And he was, as he was tracing that development, he found certain anomalies. He found certain weird things. He, 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 he expected to see that science would advance logically, incrementally, step by step, by extrapolation. It's just a smooth line. What he found was this, that there was some advancement by what we would call concentric circles. You know, when Jesus said to us, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the othermost parts of the world, that's by concentric circles. So there was some advancement, but... He found that the fastest progress in science came at the times when there were absolute explosive turnaround in thinking. In other words, something came that was so different it would never have gotten to never have gotten we would never have gotten there logically. It's only by this brand new thought. And that's what a paradigm is. It's a, a paradigm is simply a way of thinking that this huge advance was made in science. So I believe God wants the same for the church. You see, we've been thinking in one way, and it's not a wrong way. We've been thinking, well, if we want to love, you know, we're, we're, first we love our families, and then we love our neighbors, and then we love our town, and then we love uh, uh, our nation, and then we love the world. The problem with that is we never get outside the family because we think if I can't love my family, I haven't got any right to love the, the city or the world, or I, I just don't have time. I don't, I don't have any business. I, I, haven't got my, I haven't got this part straight yet. So the problem is we never love far off. In Ephesians 2, that's, it says that's how Jesus loved. He loved both near and far off, and he brought those who were far off near. So we've got to have a new paradigm, a new way of thinking. And you know what? When we discover this, it's going to be the most natural thing. My, my uh, son the other day, <coughs> excuse me, my nearest one was in a, was in a hurry and, and uh, was rushing to something and, and hopped in the shower and, and got out and got all dressed and then he forgot, have you ever done this? Forgot to wash his hair. You know, he's in such a hurry. For, 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 he looks at me and goes, oh, you know. So <coughs> he runs in. His mom happens to be in the bathroom. He says, hey, mom, watch this. Fully dressed. He says, I'll wash my hair without getting anything on me. Watch this, you know. So <clears throat> turns on the shower, gets out the shampoo, stands in front of the shower, bends all the way backward, and puts his head under the thing. And his mom's just standing there looking at him for a while. And he's, and he's, and he's washing his hair. And she says, what are you doing? He said, I'm washing I'm not getting anything on me. Look at this. I'm, this is really great. She said, why are you bending backwards? Is that comfortable? No, it's killing me. It's awful. <laughs> Why don't you bend forwards? And he did this. <laughs> he said, oh, that's much better. <laughs> and then he, got, he looked up and he goes, whoa, paradigm shift here. <laughs> now, the only time he had ever had his hair washed with his clothes on was where? In the hair place. What do they do in the hair place? They lean you back over the sink. So he had always associated having your hair washed with your clothes on leaning backwards. That was the paradigm. But it was a very uncomfortable procedure. I believe 
that we have the same kind of discomfort. You see, we were made to love broadly. We were made to love broadly. And if we don't have a valid way to express all the love that God has given for those who are other than we are, who are different than we are, that love will come out in sinful ways. It's going to come out in wrong ways. I believe one of the reasons we have so much trouble with infidelity in this country is because, because we have more love in us than we can particularly give in a certain arena. And so we go into, into, into love, love in ways that aren't healthy for us. When if we could get this through our heads, no, you can have both that intense love for those who are near and at the same time those who are far. As a matter of fact, the way you can love better those who are near is to love those who are far. That was Christ's model. That was Christ's model. You see, God is making us into a certain kind of people. It's not that we're here all alone and we're trudging toward heaven, hoping that we can kind of just get over the border when we get there, and then we'll be like those who are in heaven when we're in heaven. Now, the scripture that was related to you by David was the, the scripture of Revelation 7, where it pictures the worship going on right now in heaven. And it pictures all of the differences surrounding the throne, every tribe, every nation, every tongue. Now, as we have seen before in Pannenberg's view of history, history doesn't just advance from where we are to where we're going. No, if God is the God of time and his God is the God of history and God knows where he wants to take us in heaven, God reaches from the future and molds us to what we ought to be before we ever get there. He's conforming us to that. What does that mean? That means that even now, God wants us to love distantly in order to mature us. We can't think anymore, well, when I get my skit together, then I can love somebody else who's different. No, the way we get our skit together is to love somebody else who's different. That's the way God matures us. You know this by common sense. All of the self-help groups say the way you get your own act together is to help somebody else out. Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous say part of your healing process is to help somebody else out before you ever get there yourself. How many of you said, well, I'm going to wait until I get fully mature in order to have kids? Well, I don't think many of you did, did you? How did you grow up? Because you had kids. You were forced to grow up. How many of you said, well, I'm going to wait until I have all of the knowledge in the world to teach somebody else? Well, and then the emergency came along and you found yourself teaching Sunday school. Did you not learn more than you ever had in your life by becoming a teacher? You see how that works? By experiencing that which is far off, you thought was far off, you are matured in a way that is near. Now, this is what I believe God wants for the church. I believe God wants us to form relationships literally all over the world before we ever get our skit together locally. Because that will teach us how to love 
I, I never am so fired up about getting into the scriptures and about building relationships with, with, with people that I haven't been built, built relationships more than when I come back from another country. I mean, it reminds me in a broader sense what it's all about. And so I would challenge all of us in this place to say, God, how can I love far off? Not just how can I love my family better, although that's important. That'll always be important. But how can I love far off in order to love my family better? How can I, how can I love those Christians who are all around the world? But watch this. Not just Christians, but those who are not yet Christians. Those who are not yet Christians all around the world. Because if you can be stretched loving a Christian from another country, think how far you can be stretched loving a heathen from another country. Think how far, how far you can be stretched loving a heathen from this country. See, that, that confirms in your life God, what God is trying to do in you, in you, what is important in your life. That's the way God matures us. Emily Dickinson wrote this. This world is not conclusion. A sequel stands beyond. Invisible as music. Positive as sound. Your relationships are not conclusion. A sequel stands beyond. And they will have a wonderful effect on your life if we all learn that we are all missionaries. You know, in the past, the churches had these little weird people who, who, were, who didn't quite fit into the local church, so we sent them overseas with some money. Say, here, go do some good. And, and nobody knew how to... I mean, a missionary was just kind of like a, a different gender almost. It, it was almost like a different... Uh, uh, you know, nobody knew how to talk to a missionary, like, like they weren't human or something. Do you understand we're all missionaries? We all go out into a culture every day that's not Christian. And it's, it's more and more unchristian as we go out. Do you understand that we're all called to build relationships all over the world? With the communications revolution, soon there will be these relationships available to you all over the world through email, through, through uh, uh, simultaneous translations. I mean to tell you, I'm real excited about this thing, not since Pentecost. Well, well, we have had the ability to speak in our language and be understood in their language. But that's coming. Now, my question to you is, is your heart going to be like Christ's? Big enough to form those relationships all over the world for the sake of the kingdom. In Scripture, the normative thinking was that we would go out. In Matthew chapter 28... Jesus said, all authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. Go therefore. And, 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 in, and in the Greek, it means it's, it's just understood. It's not a commandment to go. Make disciples is a commandment. The going is, is kind of a, as you go along. Of course you're going to go. Of course you're going to have concerns outside your own little thing. You know? Go therefore. It's just understood. That's, what, that's understood for a Christian. So we need to switch our way of thinking. This is just a filling station. This is just a filling station to get gassed up, to get spirited up, to get a better understanding of how to go out and love differently than we've ever loved. 
And as you love in differences, you will love more intensely in sameness. Let me end with this. I, I spent most of this week in Houston with uh, Dr. Paul. Remember him, that little Indian guy? Man, it's fired up. Boy, he's just still as full of fire as he ever was. And, and we spent uh, uh, a lot of time together organizing the ministry and, and seeing what's going on. God's doing such great things in that ministry. And the last night that we were there, we went to a banquet, a fundraising banquet for the ministry. And, and uh, um, they asked if I would uh, <coughs> give the benediction and you know, preachers, they want to kind of outpray everybody. <laughs> yeah, I give the benediction, so I'm thinking, oh God, what glorious prayer can I, can I give here? <laughs> you know, make it a good one, God. God gave me one sentence. I go, <laughs> one sentence. I mean, I couldn't think of anything but this sentence. And this was the prayer, and it was a gift to them, and I believe it's a gift to you. This was the prayer. God, take me from where you have been in my life to where you are waiting for me in theirs. That not only has to do with missions, that has to do with the people you know best. That has to do with the people you're trying to love right now, or the people you're wondering whether or not you should love right now. You need to pray that prayer along with me. God, take me from where you have been in my life to where you are waiting for me in theirs. Pray with me right now. God, we would pray that as individuals, but we would also pray that as a church. God, take us from where you have been in our life as a church to where you are waiting for us in theirs. Give us the heart and the mind of Jesus Christ who was so moved when he saw the multitudes because he was who they needed and they were who he needed. Give us that kind of love, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I remember as a high school student watching a, uh, a video, actually at that time it was reel-to-reel, uh, 16-millimeter -reel, <laughs> film, made by celebrant singers of their ministry in India. <clears throat> and as I was watching these multitudes of people, most of whom I've never heard the name of Jesus. It was just like God reached down and grabbed my heart. Have you ever had that happen? <laughs> it's almost painful. And uh, I was just overwhelmed with uh, a burden for these people who'd never heard Christ's name, even mentioned, much less known him. And I went to the front and just, just wept like a baby. And uh, that was 20-some years ago now. 
and I don't always have, I don't have very many of those types of experiences, probably you don't either, but I want to have that same compassion in my heart for people, don't you? To have God move me like he moved Jesus, to have compassion on the people. you one last song as we leave this morning. Would you stand with me? Down through the ages, the church has sung the great doxologies of scripture. And uh, so a friend of mine named Michael Thompson, uh, also a missionary of pioneers, has put Jude to... uh, to music and uh, would like to teach that to you this morning as our benediction.
without fault and with great joy be the glory and majesty and the power and authority through Jesus before
We give you all the praise. Let's go and live for him this week. The Lord bless you. Go in peace.